Our guest today is Noah Smith. Noah is a professor of computer science and engineering at the University of Washington and a senior research manager for the Allen NLP team at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Hello. Hi Noah, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for agreeing to do this. I'm excited about this conversation. Sure thing, how many, uh, how many of these have you already done? Um, I've done about seven or eight now. Um, okay. And I have about a similar number um, ahead of me, so I'm about halfway through. Cool. Uh, are they all coming out in one big collection or is it kind of a podcast kind of, kind of situation? Yeah, I'm thinking of, um, so I think I'm going to wait till at least most of them are recorded before I start putting them out. But then I might put them out like two a week or something like that to pace it out. Um, so far, I've mostly thought of them as videos, um, but I think uh, it would be more convenient if there was a way for people to just listen to them with their devices not having to be on and things like that. So I might sure. try and find a way to extract the audio and have that by itself. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So thanks for doing this. As you know, this is being recorded. Um, I have a, a whole bunch of questions. And so um, some of it might feel a little bit like a rapid fire round. Um, some of okay. them are light. They might not take a lot of thought. Some of them might need more thought, in which case feel free to pause and think about it if you want. Um, okay. If you want to skip a question, let me know. Um, that's completely fine. Um, in general, if you can err on the side of being open and vulnerable, that would be, that would be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, to the extent that you're comfortable doing that, obviously. Um, all right. Um, so my first question is, what were you doing just before this call? Oh, what was I doing just before this call? So, um, yeah, so one of, the, one of the dirty secrets about being a senior faculty member is that you spend a lot of time writing letters. Um, it sounds very old-fashioned, old like this is, uh, it, you know, you, you, uh, you begin your day with a cup of coffee and you, you complete your correspondence, and it's actually very close to the truth. So, so yeah, I was, uh, I was working on, uh, on a recommendation letter. I see, yeah. Um, what is your daily routine like? Um, let's see. Well, it's it's a little it's changed a little bit in the past six months because we've been living in this kind of uh, uh, work at home lockdown situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, on a weekday, uh, I try and start working around eight thirty. So I, I get up and have uh, breakfast. I'm very very consistent about my breakfast and my one cup of coffee and, uh, and then I usually sit down and, and start working around 8.30. Um, usually most of the day is meetings, a mix of, a mix of meetings, letter writing. Um, uh, I haven't, I, the last class I taught finished in June, so I haven't been teaching lately and I won't teach again until January, but that would normally be, you know, that's normally a big part when I have a class. Um, but lots of meetings, mostly one-on-ones with people I'm, I'm mentoring or collaborating with, uh, some project meetings, some faculty meetings, some committee meetings, some things like this. Um, <laughs> um, I had a meeting with my grants manager this morning. Um, <laughs> lot, lots of, it, it's, yeah, I, I live in Zoom uh, these days in, in Google Hangouts. Um, thanks to these great tech companies for giving us these tools. Uh, I can't imagine doing this 10 years ago when all this stuff didn't work so well. But yeah, yeah lot, and, and meetings until four or five. Um, uh, most days uh, with, with breaks, you know, because I've got other stuff to do too, um, reading papers and writing and reading drafts. And I, I have some of that. I try, I've, I've tried lately to keep 
two days half clear without meetings like mm -hmm. like thursday mornings i just try to avoid any meetings at all so i have mm -hmm. i have time to think and do you know do some of the intellectual work um <laughs> I mean, yeah. some of it happens live, right? But some of it also happens when you're when you're by yourself. Um, and then at the end of the day, uh, I I usually wrap up at four or five, and then uh, spend some time exercising, clearing my head. I'll go for a run. Like I couldn't do that last week because we had this horrible smoke in Seattle and the air quality. Are you in California right now? Or I am in, in California. I am in California. Yeah, so yeah. you know you know what it's like. It was it was kind of horrible. Um, and then after that, I'll um, usually mix a cocktail for myself and my wife and uh, spend the evening eating dinner with her, practicing music, reading a book, working on, I'm learning a language. Um, wow. And uh, we'll watch, a, we'll maybe watch a movie or something. And uh, yeah, I, I try and stop working mm. in the evening. Yeah, yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, what is the favorite part of your day? Um, you know, the, my, my favorite thing, um, uh, really is when I'm having a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a, with a student or, or a postdoc or another mentee, um, and getting into, uh, the details on a, on a project. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, the longer I'm a professor, the more I have to spend my time at 10,000 feet in the clouds thinking big picture and, you know, how does it all fit together and, you know, talking to, um, uh, at AI2, my boss or or sponsors and and you know navigating larger larger landscapes uh, 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 than than you do in a particular project. Mm. But you know the reason I became a a researcher was that as a grad student, I loved delving deep and spending hours working on a hard problem and writing code and running experiments. And the, the closest I get to that is the somewhat vicarious experience of watching my students do it. And I I only get to see that when I meet with them. Yeah. 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 Um, and what is the least favorite part? Um, trying to think of a good diplomatic answer to that question. Um, I guess, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you find you have to do that, that is necessary. You know, it's necessary, uh, because people's careers hinge on it. Um, but it's, it's tired, it's exhausting. It takes a lot of energy. So, you know, this is going to sound really horrible because I do want people to apply to be PhD students with me, but waiting, waiting through huge numbers of applications, uh, for, for grad school or, or really any, any role that you come to work, work with me, uh, in, there are a lot of people who apply these days because people are very excited about, uh, AI, machine learning, NLP, um, and so for any, anybody who joins my group, I probably read, you know, dozens of, of applications of others. And it's not that any one of them is, is bad, but they, they're exhausting, right? It's, you, you spend a lot of energy trying, I, I guess it's not, it's not actually reading the applications because it's fun to hear what people have done and what they want to do. I think it's more the energy that goes into constantly assessing people mm -hmm. and trying to make judgments, right? Like I, I, when I got into the field, it was all learning about the ideas and understanding technologies and techniques and math and human language and, and all like the science. Right. And then mm -hmm. you find out that eventually it becomes your job to spend as much time, if not more evaluating the people and the contributions you think they can make there. Mm -hmm. And it's necessary, right? We have to do this, but it's tiring and it's hard. And I don't, I don't feel competent in, in this. I mean, I, I feel competent in the sense that I'm, I'm proud of the people that I've, that I've worked with, but 
I don't feel like I have any particular better insight than anybody else. And it, it all feels very random mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day. So I don't feel like I'm participating in a fair process. I've said many times, I wish we could, I wish we could add randomness into these more, you know, true randomness, like fair randomness where, where we say, okay, this is the pool of people who are qualified for this thing. And we're going to throw We're going to, we're going to give them all an equal chance and we're going to draw randomly. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to do that for faculty <laughs> hiring, for PhD students, for interns, for anything. Yeah. But, but, um, but I wonder if it wouldn't be um, better in some, in some ways. I, I'm, I'm not, that's, I'm not seriously advocating for that, at least not at this point, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't love that. I don't love that. I don't like evaluating people. I'd rather I'd rather work with people, right, to mm -hmm. help help them become stronger and make good contributions than uh, than spend my time judging them, which is yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what one chore do you dislike doing, and why? Sorry, what was the question? I didn't hear. What one chore do you dislike doing? <laughs> one chore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny you ask that because, um, my, my house cleaners are here today. <laughs> I'm, I'm shut off in one room while they clean the rest of the house. Um, uh, I, I am, um, I guess probably the thing that I am l least into in terms of household stuff is, is, um, cooking. So I, I'm a good eater. I love eating, but, but, um, in, in this one thing, my, my wife is a really, really good cook and really likes cooking. Uh, and so that, that realm is basically completely given over to her. I, I mix the cocktails, I do the dishes. Um, and sometimes often she'll ask me to make a choice about what, what to eat because that's part of the, part of the work, but, um, and I'll do, you know, I'll help with, with, uh, with, shopping and that kind of stuff when when we do it all the now it's all delivered um <laughs> but yeah i i'm i'm not a good i'm i'm, I'm not a patient cook mm. and i um I'm, i don't memorize recipes well so my i don't trust my <laughs> intuitions when i lived on my own i often had a lot of strings of the same meals over and over yeah i'm that's that's probably it yeah yeah um do you struggle with procrastination um on some things, yes. Um, generally, it, I don't think it's ever been a major thing for me. Um, I, I tend to be a pretty organized, t good time management, you know, good at time management. Um, I, I think at some point, um, I just sort of realized that professionally, I didn't have, I didn't have room for that. It, like, you just can't, you just can't be a good mentor to people. And do a good job in giving feedback on paper drafts, for example, if you, if you delay. And, um, you know, there, there are things that I'll, I'll occasionally let drift a little bit. Um, but I'm usually, I'm not very often late with things. And uh, I often do things way in advance. Like I'm, I'm, if you can believe it, and I don't say this to brag, but um, it's, it's just become necessary. I looked at the calendar and I realized I'm doing a class that's going to be fully online in, in, in winter, probably online, I'm guessing, I'm pretty sure. And I'm probably going to need to flip it. And so I need to record lectures. And I started doing it already uh, for January, which sounds insane. And if you told myself 10 years ago, I'd be doing things like that. I wouldn't have believed it, but I have more time now. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it's just better to get it out of the way. Um, I, I, in my personal life, there are, there are things that drift. Um, like, you know, we have a, we have a light fixture project that's been kind of lingering for a while that, um, <laughs> 
I was feeling guilty about and brought up again with my wife this morning. But, but like, yeah, it's, it's not big things in work. I don't, I, I, I don't want to say I never procrastinate, but not for, not for very long because I know, I know what the feeling of falling under the tide of work that you've been putting off it feels like and you know it means it often when it gets too bad right you end up sacrificing a weekend or sleep and or you become you become distracted when you're trying to do the other things that are more important and so I try and keep that stuff clear I'm I'm absolutely religious about my to-do list and my calendar Mm -hmm. um I don't you know I don't I'm generally pretty quick about email um try to be responsive on slack and like juggling all of those things (laughs) Uh, eventually you, you feel a little bit like a machine, right? It's like, it's the thing on the list. What's on the list for today? Okay. Got to get these things. And I don't, it's like, you don't have time to feel have feelings about it. It just has to get done. Yeah. 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 Um, if I were to ask your friends, what is Noah like? What are three adjectives that you think they'd use? Um, they'd probably tell you that I am um, cynical and um they'd say there's probably an adjective for short attention span or too busy or something like that like always distracted and always always doing more projects um and they they probably tell you um that um i am very passionate about the things i care about often often to the point of um you know, pressing the point to, to the to the extreme and um, maybe endangering the, the 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 good relationship that we built. But they know that deep down, even if I get extremely political or cynical or adamant about a point, um, uh, it, it, I, I only do that with people I really care about. Yeah. Um. So so I'm not I'm not particularly demonstrative as a friend. I don't call my friends nearly as often as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I, I hope they're not watching this video or I'll feel really bad, but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not great. I, you know, I have a few friends I try and keep up with, mm-hmm. um, but even them, it's not nearly enough. And my career has been all consuming. I, a career in a family, um, even if it's a small family is, is a lot and, and friends have taken, uh, often taken a backseat to that. But, um, yeah, but I think uh, when I when I do get together with friends or have a phone call, um, I I will get loud and argue, and uh, and they know they know that I won't do that unless it's somebody I really trust and care about. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, are you happy with the number of close friends you have? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know there there are people who who have a few a few really close friends that they maintain long term relationships with. Um, and I'm, I happen to be one of those. I mean, there are a lot of people in my network, obviously my professional network is, is like uncountably large at this point, it feels like. Um, and, um, and then, you know, outside work, uh, I have a, a relatively small number of friends and it's, I, I kind of feel like the optimal thing is that whenever I go to a particular city, having one person that I know really, really, really well uh, nearby that I can try and see uh, is is a nice obviously not this year but yeah. Um, but yeah I, I, I feel like you know a lot of I, I think even th- there's a set of people that I'm good friends with through my professional network and that's almost the same thing in, in many cases yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what is something you're worse at than people around you something I'm worse at than people around me um 
anything to do with hardware um, <laughs> or, or let, let me let me put that in a larger context so so i I was really stupid about GPUs when the, when they sort of first came on the scene. I like I think I, I partly due to the time when I was trained in computer science. It just wasn't. I don't want to blame my, my teachers, but I didn't take a lot of classes in, in systems or hardware, mm. um, the absolute minimum. And and so uh, I think I had a view of computing that was that was a little too limited and didn't didn't under I didn't understand the importance of hardware in what we do. And I, you know, whatever, it didn't matter when everything was CPUs, I just, you know, write the check by the, by the machines my students wanted me to buy and everything would be fine. And then, and then this new hardware came on the scene and it was clear that it was different and it was having a big impact in machine learning. And my students started grumbling that I didn't buy enough GPUs and I, I pushed back a little longer than I should have. Um, and now, you know, I think my lesson lesson's been learned, um, but I'm, I'm not, I haven't been particularly engaged with that side of, um, of our field. I, I tend to work much better at a level of abstraction that's actually fairly removed even from the programming. Mm. And so I didn't, I didn't really see it coming. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at the kind of work my students are doing, it doesn't, for some of them, this is like incredibly important. Um, and for others, it doesn't matter so much. So it, you know, it, it, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't catastrophic, but, um, but basically anytime anybody talks about hardware, I will defer to my colleagues and basically anybody will know more than me about, about what, what to buy, how long it will last, how long before there's a new revolution and we need to, we need to rethink the whole thing. What, what, what uh, systems to use to write the code, et cetera, all that, all that kind of stuff. I am very humble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, what is your single biggest strength? Um, probably the time management thing. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think a part of being a successful, a big part of being a, a successful professor or a successful researcher is not letting little things that are important slip too much because the, the success of the whole endeavor rests on getting a lot of little things right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's easy to, it's easy to get the big things because they're impossible to forget your conference deadlines are they're just so busy. You like, you can't, you can't ignore that, right? You're not going to miss paper deadlines. Um, you're probably not going to not show up for your lectures. Um, but there's a thousand other little things that go into the job that are, um, that are, that are tiny and easy to drop when you're busy and, and you feel stressed about deadlines. Um, and I'm sure I let a lot of them drop. I'm not claiming to be perfect, but um, but being organized and good at time management means that I don't let too many of those slip, hopefully. And I think, I think that's why, you know, my students tend to say that they're happy in the group they're in. Yeah. 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 Um, what is a recurring moral conflict that you struggle with? A moral conflict? Mm -hmm. Um... So... So I guess one one thing that comes to mind, and this is this is sort of uh, um, maybe maybe unique to those of us who are sitting in two jobs, and I don't know if it's a moral conflict, but it, I, I feel like there's some some risks that pop up that I wasn't anticipating when I when I took the the second gig, hmm. um, and I want to be careful not to you know say anything that's confidential, but 
um, you know, when you're sitting, when you're working for two organizations or, and really when you're, when you're a PhD advisor, you're, you're working for more than two organizations because you're also working for the people you mentor. Um, it comes, situations arise where you have dual loyalty and those things can work against each other. So I'll, I'll try and construct a hypothetical example that hopefully isn't, isn't too um, personal, but you know, you, you're mentoring a student, um, they graduate, they're graduating, they're looking for a job. Um, you like working with this student, you'd be happy to continue, but you also know that in, typically in academia, we send people away after their PhD and encourage them to, to build their network, do a postdoc or become an assistant professor somewhere else or go work in industry. Mm-hmm. But when you have a dual role in industry, suddenly you have a loyalty to your organization and your team to try and hire uh, great people, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, how do you walk the line where you're, you're doing the right thing by your team, but you're also biased towards this student? So do you completely trust your judgment that this is the best thing for the team? So you want to do the best thing for the team. You want to do the best thing for the student. Mm-hmm. And you, can't, you kind of can't be two people at the same time. And you can't separate these two things perfectly. And if you have any self-awareness at all, you, you recognize this is a conflict of interest. Is it a moral one? Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's, it's just a tricky situation, right? And mm-hmm. I, so, you know, my, my advice and what I, what I tried to do in these situations is just be completely open with everybody about the possibility of the conflict. Try and be very explicit when you're giving the student advice. Okay, I'm putting on my advisor hat now. Forget about this other thing. When you're talking to the team, you say, okay, right now I'm this person's advisor. This is my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking on behalf of the team. And, and there may, these two things may not be totally, you know, there, there may be some dissonance between the two sometimes. And defer to others, uh, hand off responsibility on handling, you know, that, that case. Um, that th- these, are, these are the kinds of things that I, it took a lot of time to figure out how to think about that. And I'm still not sure I'm there. And like a lot of energy went into that way more than normally for, right? So, yeah. so um, yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's one thing that kind of pops into my mind. I think there's, a, there's maybe a bigger question hiding in there about the role of the technology that we build in our society. Um, and that's very much, you know, in the news these days, how do we do AI ethically? Uh, how, what, what are our responsibilities as researchers? What's going on with our data? Um, I don't want to say I feel conflict. I think I feel, um, I feel worried um, that, you know, we, what, what, what can we do? What can we, what can we control? How can we make sure that our technology is, is used uh, in a way that's responsible. And there are a lot of things we can't control. Um, and who, you know, who should decide and what's the, the future of the field seems just, I don't know um, what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of competing interests there and people are now building careers on these questions, whereas they, they used to be, you know, after hours conversation at the conference, if that. Um, and now it's a very central, central thing. I, you know, I, I think people in my group are very passionate on some of these issues and, and we've contributed research in this area now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's exciting. Um, I, I didn't, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I don't think we're going to see that happen in my lifetime, that, that the technology will be that relevant to day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was wrong. Things have moved very fast. I, I, I'm not totally convinced we're ready for prime time. Like I, we may be jumping the gun and putting, putting a lot of things out there. I, you know, I think, I think people are way overestimating on the whole, the, uh, the capacity of the things we built to, to serve humans. I think 
I think we're maybe we're maybe pushing it out sooner than we should, mm -hmm. uh, but there are many pressures working toward that. I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's all fine. Um, I, I don't know. I have some deep seated anxiety, I guess, and a lot of mixed feelings. But I don't I don't think that I'm personally in a in a state of conflict because I'm very trying to be very open about about these issues and and encourage others to to tackle them head on in their work and you know try and be um, transparent, right? I, I guess mm -hmm. I'm, I, I feel like transparency is the bare minimum where we should start mm -hmm. um, as researchers, but um, I haven't felt like deep conflict yet. There was a, there was a time when um, I worried, when I was starting out, I worried about the tension between doing work that I thought was scientifically valid and the sources of funding and whether they might pressure us to, you know, to, to prioritize other ends over um, the best science. And that was something I worried about starting out. And it never really became a major issue. I never, I never worked with sponsors who I felt were, were, were putting a thumb on the scales or pressuring us in a way that was uncomfortable. But it was something my idealistic young self thought that might happen and worried about some of the sources of funding and um you know fortunately uh in the in the u.s we by and large don't at least in my career haven't haven't felt that kind of pressure in our field I, at least i haven't yeah 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 makes sense makes sense um is it a specific instance where you distinctly recall feeling privileged <laughs> every day yes um uh i mean the 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 uh, the way I feel, um, and I, and a lot of people, a lot of people I know who, who have enjoyed some success in our world feel this way. It's like, I'm just incredibly lucky, um, from, uh, from the, the, before I was born to, uh, to the present day, uh, everything has basically aligned to make it easy for me to be successful. And, um, I think there's a, there's a way for that, that sense of like, you know, I did not control the circumstances that got me here. It's humbling. Um, some people, I think it, it turns into a kind of guilt. Um, I, I try not to do that just because that's not, it's not helpful. Um, uh, instead, I try and think about how, um, you know, how to expand opportunities for other people, right? How to, how to make it easier for other people um, who didn't have those opportunities to still enjoy the same level of success if they, if they can. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, that's, a, that has, I think that has to be a big part of our work as, as professors, it, the, the number of accidents that have to happen just so for you to land, uh, in, in the kind of job that, that you and I have now is, um, is terrifying. And, um, yeah, yeah, no, every, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you insecure about? Um, Probably I would, I would say my memory. Um, so I, you know, I think I have a pretty good grip of, of what's going on in the field. Um, and I, I don't think I'm suffering from dementia. I'm not, I'm not that old. Uh, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not worried about my cognitive system failing yet or soon, but, um, but when you're juggling a lot of projects and working with a lot of people um, and, and interacting with a much, much wider network of things going on. Uh, I mean, I work on, I work on a lot of parts of NLP, um, keeping it all in, in your head is, a is hard and I don't know how it works, right? Like I don't, I don't trust my intuitions about my own mental system. I just kind of know what works and there's a lot to keep in there. And when I stop and think about it, I start getting very nervous about like, am I really, am I really current on all the things I should be current on? And the answer is probably not. 
I definitely have blind spots. I think over the years, my students have increasingly heard me saying things like, you should check. I'm not sure. I suspect somebody did this. This sounds a lot like the work being done at this place, but that doesn't mean there aren't five other places that might also be doing it. Um, I, you know, I just don't have time to keep up with everything that is happening in the world. And, you know, I try and do it at a level that will be useful uh, for my projects, but um, but things and things slip like, you know, I'll we'll write a paper and then I'll realize, oh, yeah, there was this uh, or, or somebody will point out to me there was this work done 10 years ago by so-and-so whom you know well, and maybe you even, maybe I even saw a talk about it and, you know, it just didn't, it didn't pop into my mind and we didn't see it in the literature search. And um, I think, I think we're all prone to that. And, and it just gets worse as you accumulate years and time in the field. And I used to be able to pinpoint, like, you know, a student would say, oh, I have this idea, read this paper from this particular conference. I even remember the session it was presented in. <laughs> These are the three authors in order. And now it's like, oh, I think it was from this country. And I think it was somewhere between 2012 and 2017. It's just like the, the precision is, is starting to get lost. And I think, you know, this is, this is the cost of, um, of broadening your, your interests, uh, yeah. which I think is something we do as we grow older. Um, but it's, it becomes harder. And I'm not making excuses, right? If, I, if I've screwed up, people should point it out and we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can to fix it. But um, it does, it, it is a challenge. And, and I, I, I don't think I'm as, I'm, my brain doesn't work the way it worked when I was 25. Um, things change in there. I don't know. I don't know why or how I wish I could stop it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's better. I'm, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I worry about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like an imposter? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I think um, it, it, this is something that, uh, I mean, I, I've told a lot of people um, that I, I almost quit grad school after the first year um, because I didn't, I did not think I was going to be able to finish it. Um, I didn't feel like I was figuring things out fast enough. Of course, you know, I, I know now that it takes at least a year for a grad student to figure out, you know, what they're doing, often much more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very normal, but I didn't know that then. Um, when I started my, my faculty position at CMU, which, which felt, uh, like a complete random act of the universe. And, you know, I was, I was shocked to get that interview, let alone get the job. Um, I, uh, I remember one of my colleagues, someone I, I really, really, uh, like a lot and, and still consider a friend, um, and, you know, harbor absolutely no ill will, but, uh, the guy went and got a MacArthur Genius Award in our first month as faculty. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that, 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 uh, I was happy for him, right? He's, he's my friend, but on the other hand, it's sort of like, do I really, is this really the world I belong in? Is this, is this where I should be? Um, and, you know, a whole, whole, like I said earlier, a whole series of accidents since then. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how I got here. And, uh, I don't know how many, how many ways I can say until I'm blue in the face that I don't think anybody really knows how they got where they are uh, or feels prepared to do the job that they're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's part of the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is something you're trying out these days and how is that going? Um, yeah, I uh, as a as a quarantine project, my my wife and I decided to try to learn Yiddish, 
which is uh, an, an ancestral language for us and uh, one that uh, we, we don't know. Uh, neither of us, apart from English, has studied a Germanic language before. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. Um, <laughs> I, 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 did my, I did my exercises uh, last night and I did very poorly. So I think I need to go back and review and try again. Um, uh, yeah, learning, learning a language. I mean, you'd think as a language person, I would do this more often. Um, but uh, I think the the tradition I was trained in sort of downplayed, um, uh, the, you know, Czechian linguistics isn't isn't really about learning lots of languages and describing the differences and understanding the phenomena by by knowing the language. It's all about kind of your intuitions, and you know, if I can say so, a lot of it is about generalizing from English. Um, but or was when I was studying it, and and so I, I think I I it's taken me longer than it should to shed that that uh, attitude. Uh, I've always liked doing doing NLP research on on different languages in a low resource case, but I never felt like I had time uh, to go and and study a language. And this is an incredibly this is not a practical thing, right? I'm not I'm not doing this because I expect to engage with a community of speakers anytime soon. Um, but um, but I thought it would be intellectually a fun a fun thing to try. And I, the last time I learned a language was in school, and um, I know more about languages now, at least you know, <laughs> supposedly. So I'm uh, it's it's fun and interesting. But um, there's all kind you know there's all kinds of extra stuff you have to learn. Like the writing system is different. Oh wow, this writing system. Anyway, um, yeah, it's I think it's going okay. We'll we'll see how long it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... What is one of your favorite uh, tricks or tools or hacks that you use to make life more convenient or fun or efficient? Um, it's been a while since I've come up with a good, uh, you know, I don't write code. So I, I, I'm not going to get, I can't give you a, a, a sort of programming coding yeah. answer. Um, and, and I, uh, the only code I write is LaTeX and I don't, I'm not particularly good at, at, uh, I used to be really good at, at like space saving LaTeX tricks, but, um, I feel like now I've just gotten to be a better writer and I don't need, um, I don't need to do that as much or I'm, I'm just really good at turning away extra words. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I found a plugin for my browser that shows me horizontally what all the tabs are on the right side. I can't oh. think of the name, but that's a record. That's definitely something that, that has saved me uh, time and pain. Um, takes up, you know, horizontal real estate, yeah. which is, which is cheaper. Um, I have a really good, I found a really good uh, uh, to do manager called OmniFocus. Hmm. Um, which I switched to not too long ago. And it's, I think it's the first time I've paid money for, for a, like a pro version of something, but it's, it's good. It's kind of like, I, I definitely feel like there's more dopamine kick when you check things off and, and like put things on the, even you really want the dopamine when you put the thing on the list, you feel good and you keep putting things on the list <laughs> rather than like trying to remember them in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that one's pretty good and you can do a lot of customization stuff and there, mm-hmm. there are some neat tricks in there. I would, I would recommend that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> um, what do you tend to think about most when you're not intentionally trying to think about something? Um, geez. Climate change. 
Um, what, what's going to happen in the world over the next uh, 50 to 100 years? Um, yeah, that, 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 that kind of weighs on me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what is something surprising about you that the rest of us might not guess? <laughs> um, uh, well, I, uh, this is, this is uh, maybe an odd thing, but um, hanging on my wall here, I have a bass clarinet. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was a time, it's been many years now, when, um, when I seriously considered a career in music. And uh, I was very fortunate to have a, a teacher who, um, you know, talked to me very frankly about it didn't matter how good I was, there was there were a lot of things working against success in that realm. And because I had other options, I should probably uh, keep them open. Hmm. And uh, I, you know, continue to be grateful to that teacher for that advice. I, I, uh, it might, it, he might, he might've been t- telling me subtly that I wasn't going to be successful um, <laughs> because I didn't have the talent, which, which is fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't have the ability. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a professional quality musician, um, but it is something I do almost every day. It's something that's formed a big part of my my uh, hobbies and social life. It's been a big uh, recurring thing in my life, listening to and playing music. Um, mm. And it's uh, yeah, it's still it's still a major major hobby. It's been a huge part of uh, staying sane during the the lockdown. Um, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that I'm an amateur musician. That's the that's the <laughs> maybe the su- surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, what is what is something recent that happened that was unexpected? Um, unexpected that happened recently, apart from the global pandemic. <laughs> apart from that, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like everything has been very predictable lately. Um, oh, here's here's a here's. I think it's okay to talk about this. This is this was kind of. I I didn't know. Th- I I didn't expect things to play out so nicely. So at work at at UW, you know, we have we have fantastic colleagues in the NLP group. Um, so Luke and Yejin and Hannah and uh, Dan Weld and Tim Althoff, or you know, and over in linguistics, we have a bunch of people. And in uh, electrical engineering, we have Mari Alsendorf. We have a great team. And um, I was not expecting that we would be able to hire more members of that team anytime soon. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of other a, a lot of other good things going on at UW, and you, as you and, and anybody who's, who's faculty member knows, uh, it's always a complicated um, negotiation among among people where to hire. Uh, but um, we had uh, a very unique opportunity this year, and all the you know series of things had to happen in just the right way to ha- to, to to make it happen. But Yulia Tsvetkov from CMU is going to be joining UW oh. uh, next year, and uh, I am I'm super excited to to have her. She's she's been a collaborator of mine, and uh, I've, I've known her since she was a, a student, and um, really really excited to have her join join the team. Um, I, you know, I, I, when, when I first started talking to her about it and the department started talking about it, I was like, okay, this is too good to be true. And I didn't, I don't, I always set my expectations low. Right. And, yeah. uh, it, it worked and I'm, I'm very, very happy. That, uh, that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, what is one way in which you wish your life was different? 
Um, probably don't want to get too much into politics, but um, I, I guess I'd be I guess I'd be thrilled if I had some trust in the federal government to you know see us pass this pandemic and in the economic recovery that needs to happen. Um, and, you know, continuing to make uh, sound decisions informed by science and rational thinking. Um, I think that would, uh, I'd sleep a lot better at night. Uh, and I know a lot of other people would, would suffer, you know, far greater benefits than, than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is something you're looking forward to in the, in, like, in the short term, like tomorrow or next week? Um, well... Let's see. So um, this weekend we ordered, uh, I, I don't usually, I'm not a meat eater. I'm, I'm mostly vegetarian. Um, and I save, uh, I, I eat meat on, on rare occasions so that uh, I, I, you know, it's healthier and, and uh, I will enjoy it more when I eat it less. Um, and so I'm having uh, my, my, my brother-in-law and, and, uh, and his partner and uh, our my father-in-law are going to be, they're, they're going to be coming over for a dinner that we've ordered from a deli in New York where it's, you know, this is, this week is Jewish holidays, which I don't observe in any conventional way, but uh, we're having a, a big holiday meal hmm. um, ordered from New York that, I, oh. that is very, very meat forward. And I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you think you're average, above average or below average happy relative to people around you? Uh, above average. Um, when was the last time you danced? <laughs> um, so, so maybe, the, maybe this is what I should have shared as, as a secret. So when I was in grad school, my wife and I um, took up the Argentine tango and uh, danced. We were dancing two or three times a week back wow. in those days. We don't do that now, but we did, we did dance last week. Okay. <laughs> um. What is your most recent dream that you remember? Oh, I had, I had a bizarre, I mean, I, I don't make anything out of these things. Um, like, I don't think there's any deeper meaning, so I don't read into this. So, so I hope nobody else will, but I had a, I had a bizarre, I've, ha, I've been having a series of very weird dreams about buying a house in other places. And the weirdest one was buying, I was buying a house in Pittsburgh, um, like around the corner from where I used to live. Um, and it's not a house that actually exists. It was like in this dream, of course, the, the street layout was different. It didn't even look like Pittsburgh. It was just like this house. But, you know, we knew in the, you know, you have to, in dreams, you like, you have all this weird constructed background knowledge. We knew we were in Pittsburgh right around the corner from where we used to live. And we were looking at this super modern house and talking about buying, I don't know why we were buying another house. We, we don't need another house. I had no intention to do that not moving um but yeah i i don't know why i've been having these dreams about buying uh buying real estate maybe it's <laughs> that's not an investment tip for anybody well, um are you more optimistic than people around you or more pessimistic more pessimistic hmm. um do you think there is a point to our life to our existence nope um what do you struggle with in life um, I don't know. I, I don't really feel, I think I used to, I used to struggle with, um, like feeling like what I was doing had, like, was I doing the right things to get where I wanted to be? 
And I spent a lot of energy, like, you know, um, am I, am I, am I investing my time optimally? Am I, you know, am I, am I going to get tenure, right? Am I doing all the things I ought to do to get tenure? Um, that was, you know, that's a big thing for people for, for a certain period, uh, or, you know, to get a job before that, right? All the, all the, the steps you take. And then I think what I, what I eventually came to realize was like, well, there's an end to that, right? You, you eventually, um, uh, don't do that anymore because you are where you want to be. Uh, maybe if you, if you get there and there's not a whole lot of, um, strategy left, um, it's like, well, don't screw it up. Right. Um, and then, you know, that's not a very good guiding principle. Um, and so I, you know, I, I try instead to think, am I allocating my resources well so that, you know, we have positive impact on the world students are getting the training they need they're prepared for long happy healthy productive careers am i being useful to my research community am i giving back because a lot of people did nice things for me and invested in me how can i how can i pay that forward but it, it's not a struggle it's right it's a, i feel like it's a little it's more of a an attempt at a rational calculation i'm not going to claim it is but um yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel incredibly fortunate um, and humbled by the, the luck that has gotten me where I am. And um, I, I don't feel like anything creates a major struggle. I mean, there are little things, right? Like, am I going to manage to get this grant funded? Or uh, are we going to get this paper published on time? But all of, all of that stuff is, you know, you, you, when you've done it enough times, you know, eventually you're going you're gonna to land at a resolution on each of these projects mm -hmm. one way or another, and maybe you'll move on and that will be fine. There will be another thing. Um, and so it feels less like a struggle. It feels less like a battle. It feels more like a management problem, mm -hmm. which sounds really boring, but it's, um, it, you know, it's, it means that when I shut down at the end of the day, I really can shut down and I'm not... Mm -hmm. I'm not anxious. Maybe that will change. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe something will happen in the field and it'll, it'll shake me up and I'll, I, but right now I, I feel fairly um, not complacent, but comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you decide what to work on? Uh, this is almost entirely a function of the people around me. Um, so, you know, the typical pattern for my PhD students uh, is they come to me and say, I'm interested in X. Okay. Here's, here's what I know about X. Um, here's some people, you know, in the group who know a little more about the details of X than I do right now. Here's some historical context. Here are some good reasons to work on X. Here are some reasons you might not want to work on X. Mm -hmm. Then they come back the next week and say, I want to work on X prime. And we have the same conversation. <laughs> um, so I, I'm more of a, I, you know, I, I give advice and guidance. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a major agenda at the moment. Uh, there are a lot of things I care about. And I think, and I can see the value in investing in many different angles. And I don't feel the need to tie all of my projects together in one coherent direction. I think that's a very good career strategy for people at, you know, when they're still building and they want to build a reputation and be seen and be visible and be associated with certain ideas. That's a good thing to do. And I did that at one point. Um, but at some, at some point you may hit, you know, a, a level where you have, you have invested in a lot of things. You care about a lot of them. You can't work on them all, all the time. Um, like, you know, one, one example is I, I think machine translation is a fantastic problem. Uh, it was the first thing I worked on when I got into the field. Um, I, I, I ditched it in grad school because I was unhappy about some developments and the way things were headed and didn't work on it for a while. Came back to it as an early faculty member when I had a student who wanted to work on it. Mm -hmm. When that person finished, I moved, moved on, didn't pay much attention. You know, here and there, I'd read a paper, got away from it again, coming back now because my mm -hmm. students want to work on it. 
Um, and so, you know, you can, you can kind of come and go. I'm not, nobody in the machine translation community is going to tell you that I'm a major player in that world, but I know what's going on. I, I, I think I can say things that are useful and help guide a student who wants mm -hmm. to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think a little bit of a little bit of distance is actually sometimes a very healthy thing for making contributions. I, I think in, in science, it's it's often the case that the the big changes come from an outside influence, right? There's a there's two fields that bump against each other, and ideas cross fertilize, and then it, it has a big effect on one or both, and things change. Um, and so I I kind of feel like being on the edge of things, not being right in the middle gives you some perspective sometimes and you, you have better chance of making those kinds of connections. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what are a couple of traits that you have seen commonly amongst um, some of your collaborators or colleagues that you've enjoyed working with most? Uh, I like working with people who are human and um, who are, uh, I, I don't know, there's probably a million ways to say it, but just nice. Like people who, people who are um, pleasant to talk to and, um, you know, know, uh, know that everybody who's involved is dealing with a lot of things and um, going through God knows what in their, in their life uh, and probably have a million other projects. And so, you know, not, not expecting, not having unrealistic expectations about, about others and cutting them, you know, giving them room to be themselves mm -hmm. um, uh, I think that's, you know, that's one of the nice things about academia is people can be quirky and we can, we can all kind of get along and give each other space to be weird in the ways we need to be weird because we're all trying to do creative work and what, and what works for one person can be very different than another. Um, and so my favorite, my favorite collaborators have been people who are totally happy to run with, you know, whatever those around them need to, to, to make it, make it work. And, you know, I think there's a certain degree of like, open discussion that some people are able to have where you can say, this is how I like to work. Does this work for you? And like that, I don't know, sort of like meta conversation around the process is often mm -hmm. really helpful for making, making collaborations work well, rather than just assuming that everybody is going to do it your way. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm much more inclined to, I, I actually think I, I, some people I've known will, will say very openly that their collaborations are driven entirely by their connections with the people and not at all by the technical goals. Uh, I don't think I'm quite that far. I think I have to believe in the, in the scientific goals. Um, but, um, but I think that's a big ingredient. Like I, I have to kind of like the people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And have you found good ways to spot this early? No, no. I mean, I, I, I think um, like a lot of things, I think there's like a, an intuitive thing that happens where you, you click, but you can't really explain why. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with PhD students. Um, honestly, I think um, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at giving advice on how to select PhD students, but there's a, there's a, 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 a kind of conversation you have with people and you just sort of know it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, and you hope that's not like, you know, a bias thing where you're, you're, you're latching on to, oh, this person sounds like me or, you know, they look like me or something. I don't, I don't think it is given the makeup of my group, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, we have to be careful about that. But, but honestly, no, I think it's, it's very, for, you have to kind of give yourself room to trust yourself as a creative person. And once you have your classifier, you don't necessarily need to explain it um, for finding people to work with. You, we, you know, we, we probably can't, honestly, I don't think we have that kind of insight into our own cognition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
um, oceans or hills? I'm more of a beach person. Yeah, we, we, we like to go to Hawaii and uh, we'll do a little bit of hiking in the hills, but a lot of going in the water. <laughs> yeah. um, what is something you love doing, but you're terrible at? Um, people who've heard me play music might see music. I'm not sure. Uh, that's, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to beat myself up too much. I wish I was better. Um, something I love doing, but I'm terrible at. It's funny. I think I'm one of those people who steers away uh, from things that uh, uh, here's, here's one. And I use the word love in a very loose way, swimming. So I'm a, I, when, when the pool's open, which it hasn't been for six months, I'm a, I'm a very committed swimmer. Um, I'm not very fast. I'm not, I'm not that good. I don't hurt myself. Um, but I'm, um, but I, 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 I very consistently have been doing it for more than 10 years. Mm. Um, so I don't know if I have friends who tell me that means I love it. Um, I, I don't, I don't usually use the word love for exercise activities. I kind of view it as a necessity for, for health, but, um, but that's, that's probably the best answer. Yeah. Well, um, what is something you did recently that surprised even the people who know you well? Um, something I did recently that surprised people who know me well. I'm not sure I've done anything very surprising recently. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a good answer to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, when was the last time you felt like a kid in a candy store? <laughs> um, there's a there's a shop in Portland, Oregon. Um, it's not a candy. Well, it is, it is literally a candy store because they sell chocolate, but they also sell, um, I, I, the chocolate is fine. I like chocolate, but that wasn't what made me excited. Uh, the other, one of the other two or three things they sell in this shop is cocktail bitters. Um, and they have like a wall of all kinds of different cocktail bitters and you can taste any of them. Um, and I, yeah, when, when I go to Portland, uh, I, I budget an hour to go to that shop. (laughs) Yeah, Assuming yeah. I'm not flying home, which, which doesn't make it much sense for Portland because um, <laughs> yeah. it's only a few hours away. Yeah. 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 Um, what is something you didn't like at the time, but you're glad it happened? Um, <laughs> probably some of the, some of the courses I took in grad school, like um, uh, I took, a, I, 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 I'm not going to call out specific courses because who knows, somebody might, somebody who, who taught that course might watch it. But um, I, I, I took some classes that I did not love at the time and uh, didn't, um, didn't get me super excited about the subject matter. And uh, later um, uh, was glad that I knew something about those areas. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you easily get nostalgic about? Um. I'm not that prone to nostalgia. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I can, I can think back, I guess maybe, maybe grad school time with a, with a big caveat that I, I know that I was, I was not at my happiest then um, because it was a stressful time. Um, but there were good things. I liked, I liked living in Baltimore. I, 
you know, I met my wife at that time. We were learning to dance and uh, we were in a fun, fun city. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, I had a lot of good friends. I, I, you know, somehow managed to make time for all of this. I didn't need as much sleep. Um, but it might, it might just be nostalgia for being young. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what is something that made you smile today? Today? Oh, some of your questions for sure. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is some of the best advice you've gotten or given? Um, well, here's one, here's one. This is completely unrelated to work. When you buy it, this is some of the best advice. And it, it came from uh, David Smith and his, and his wife, Cynthia. They are, he, he's, a, he's a professor at Northeastern now. He was a grad school classmate of mine. When you buy your house, when you buy a house, um, budget 1% of the value of the house every year and put that money into savings. Like this, like do not buy a house unless you can afford to do this along with paying for the house. And you will use that money to pay for the repairs, the replacements, the appliances. Something will break. Something will need to be painted. You need to have that money set aside every every year. Uh, best best advice I ever got. Wow. Wow. And very concrete. <laughs> very very concrete. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why did you agree to do this interview? Uh, well, we're friends, right? <laughs> and I trust you. Um, uh, I, I guess... Um, you know, one of the things I've learned as a, as a mentor is that, is that uh, people in the field um, often uh, uh, miss the fact that everybody around them is human and, you know, went through a lot of the same things they're going through to get where they are. It's not, it's not like I was born a full professor and a senior research manager um, in the jobs I'm in, right? I, I traveled a path to get here and I didn't know I would land here when I started out. And I think that's easy. It's, it's not something I go around saying because I don't think it needs to be, but people forget. They don't remember. We all have a backstory. Um, and I also think... Um, people uh, get a skewed view of each other. Like you, we, know, we know people primarily through what, their publications, their social media accounts maybe, press releases, I don't know. Um, that's, not a, that's not a picture of a whole person at all. So I don't think this is a complete picture of who I am, obviously, but, um, but I think uh, particularly this year when we don't get to see each other face-to-face -face at conferences, maybe any, anything we can do to kind of remind ourselves and each other that we're all human probably a good thing yeah yeah <laughs> i agree i agree um that's all i had is there anything that we didn't talk about about you your life that you think would be good to discuss uh i i can't think of anything um <laughs> I, i'm sure you know there's there's more uh uh more we could have gone into but this feels uh, i feel i feel pretty exposed now so <laughs> <laughs> probably a good place to stop yeah yeah um thank you thank you for taking the time to do this thank, thank you for doing this uh and uh i, I look forward to, to getting to know some of uh some of our colleagues uh maybe a bit better through these videos really appreciate you taking the time uh great chatting with you same here same here thank you okay yep stay healthy talk to you yeah, later you too bye, bye. <laughs>